So a lot of us experience a lot of pressure during this holiday season, especially on days like today. There's a lot of pressure on people like on days like today. There's a, a lot of pressure for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to be perfect, right? It's one of the most perfect days, at least the, our attempt is to make it one of the most perfect days. I think most people have a picture in their mind of what they want Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to look like. And for a lot of people, it starts with how you woke up this morning. And maybe you woke up this morning and you just had a lot of things you wanted to accomplish, a lot of things you wanted to get done because maybe you've got a bunch of people coming over and you need to get your house ready and you need to make sure that you've got everything in place for when they come. But when you woke up this morning, you had a plan on how your day was going to go. And in that plan, maybe... You thought, well, we got to pick up some last-minute gifts, or we got to go to the grocery store. we got to cook something. Maybe, you know, for a lot of you, you come back here for the service that we're having here this evening. Some of you, after this, maybe you're going to some kind of get-together. Maybe you're just going home. i got to tell you, this afternoon, Janet and I went down to co-op. That was not a perfect parking lot. <laughs> there were a lot of bad things happening there, lots of sin. Lots of sin in that parking lot, i got to tell you. And if you, if you were in that parking lot, you got to repent. <laughs> there are some nasty things going on in that parking lot. People just don't know what they're doing. I, I was there, so clearly I'm putting myself in the same category. It was not my picture of a perfect Christmas Eve to be in that parking lot, I assure you. But I can tell you that there's certain things that we wanted to be able to accomplish today, just even as our own family. And as you think of the list of things that you have for the day, and for your planning, I'm guessing you could probably picture it in your mind in terms of what you want it to look like and smell what you want it to smell like. Those kinds of expectations put a lot of pressure on a day like today. The perfect Christmas Eve often has frustrations of getting those last-minute items in the high-blood-pressure shopping malls. Many people, when they get together with their families, they simply renew old habits of fighting. I know when my family comes over, it, this inevitably happens. My kids ask my parents to tell them all the bad things I did when I was younger. <laughs> happens every time, every time. And then my brother and I get to reminiscing. And then you ever get to reminiscing with somebody where it gets so funny that you're talking, but nobody else in the room knows what you're saying? Like you're blubbering to the person that you're talking with and you're blubbering back and forth and you understand each other but nobody else understands you but you're crying already because for you it is the funniest thing ever, that happens at our house. Everybody just stares at us, my brother and I, because we just make no sense. We squeal like little pigs <laughs> when we chat with each other. For some people, Christmas is one of the hardest times of year. Because for a lot of people, Christmas is, well, for that year, it might be one of the firsts. Here's what I mean. If they've lost a loved one during the year, then that Christmas might be the first Christmas without that person. And it can be really tough for a lot of people. Some people feel lonely and more depressed than ever. But no matter what is going on, there is one way to have a perfect Christmas Eve. You want to know what it is? Live the meaning. Live the meaning of the day. Fulfillment always carries with it a purpose. And if our lives are meeting their deep 
deep-seated purpose, then there is fulfillment. If we have within our hearts the meaning of the day, then that is the road to the perfect Christmas. It's not about the turkey. It's not about the gifts under the tree. It's not about how clean the house is. It's not about whether or not everybody's coming over. It's about the meaning of Christmas. In the book of Micah, the prophet Micah foretold Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah. He says in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 3, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins, listen to this, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This is a reference to Christmas. He's saying that Christ would be born in Bethlehem, and then he goes on to say in verses 4 and 5 that he will stand as a shepherd, his flock in the strength, sorry, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of his name, in the name of the Lord. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And in these two simple verses, these two simple verses teach us what Christmas is all about. They tell us why Jesus came into the world and what he expected to accomplish here. Micah says that Jesus came to shepherd his flock, to take care of us, to lead us, to protect us, to save us. He came to be our shepherd. It gives us three ways that he wants to be our shepherd. First of all is this. One of the ways he wants to be our shepherd is that he wants to give us strength. In verse 4 it says he will stand and shepherd in the strength of the Lord. Christmas is about this. You don't have to live this life in your own strength. That's the point. See, living this life in our own strength, well, every time we do that, we recognize that we can't handle it. We always get overwhelmed. You don't have to handle it on your own. God doesn't just simply help those who help themselves. Okay, that whole idea, it's a myth. God helps those who need help. That's how this works. And so you can turn to God for strength, and He will give it to you. No matter what happens, we can depend on Jesus to get us through. Our lives don't have to be characterized by failure, by bitterness, or by missed opportunities. He will give you the strength to face whatever comes your way. That is in part what Christmas is about. It means that you're not alone, that you're not a victim of the circumstances of your life. It means that you have a shepherd that you can live in His strength. That's huge. That's freedom. Now, I know many of you are facing a lot of challenges right now that are bigger than you. Maybe you're in a battle that you just don't have the strength to win on your own. Maybe even especially on Christmas Eve. You don't have to face it alone. God is and will be your strength. That's good news. Now, secondly, I believe that Micah wants us to know that Jesus, Christmas, gives us security. We live in an incredibly insecure world. Neither certainty nor safety exist, even though we spend our lives trying to find both. And often we, we look to government or we look to our employer or our investments or our relationships, and none of them can provide the security that we need. None. The things we turn to most often simply don't have the ability to offer the true security that we actually need. And the fact is that we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't even know 
if our Christmas will be the way we want it to be. But, and we can't depend on the world for security because it doesn't have it to give. There is only one place to find security. Micah 4 says it. He says, And they will live securely, for then His greatness will reach the ends of the earth. Jesus offers the security of knowing that He is in control and that He has the power and the ability to take care of us. That's the security we get. Think about that. Almighty God says, I got your back. Better than that, Almighty God says, I'm going to carry you through this. Almighty God. You know the word Almighty? It means something. It's the idea that He is literally above everything. One of my favorite passages in the, in the Old Testament is actually right in the book of Genesis. It says, in the beginning, you guys remember this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. Here's what you need to know about that passage and why it is one of my most favorite passages. You see, in ancient Mesopotamia, there was a God whose name was Tiamat, and Tiamat was the God of the deep. And so in the opening verses of the book of Genesis where it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep, God's Spirit hovered over the surface above the most mighty, powerful God that the ancient Mesopotamians worshipped. And what they were saying is, our God is bigger and more powerful than yours. The security that we get comes from Almighty God. Jesus offers the security of knowing that He's in control, that He has the power and ability to take care of us. And that's what a shepherd does. And that's what He wants to do for each one of us. Ezekiel says it this way, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. That's Ezekiel 34, 15 to 16. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I will take care of you. You are safe with me. If you're lost, I will find you. If you stray, I will bring you back. If you're injured, I'm going to bandage you up. I am your shepherd. I will take care of you. That's good news. And God made this promise to us. In Hebrews 13.5, He says, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. And Jesus Himself also says it in John 10, 27 and 28. He says this, He says, My sheep listen to My voice. I know them and they follow Me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of My hand. So when He's got you, He's got you. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry. Jesus offers you security. That's one of the reasons He came into the world, and that's one of the things that Christmas is all about. You see, we simply minimize what Christmas really is when we only think of the nativity scene, and we only think of the Christmas Stories that we watch on Netflix and all the Hallmark movies. The reality is, is that His name, Emmanuel, God with us, that Almighty God came from eternity, entered into time, and dwelt with us, became one of us. That is one of the most epic statements, stories, anything 
that you could ever think of is not just a baby in a manger. It is Almighty God on earth. And what He brings is security. He offers a kind of security that the world can't. Security based not on the things and circumstances, but based on His never-ending love for you. His never-ending love for you. And His greatness, Micah says, reaches to the ends of the earth. So there's no place you can go or nothing that can happen that extends beyond the power of God to take care of you. You catch that? There is nowhere you can go and nothing that can happen that can extend past God's ability to take care of you. He's got you. He's got you. And lastly, He gives you serenity. There's a a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza asks his dad, Frank Costanza, he learns about the relaxation technique of serenity now, and Frank's doctor told him that every time his blood pressure starts to rise, he's just simply to say, serenity now. Only the thing is, he doesn't say it. He screams it at the top of his lungs. No matter how much he bellows Serenity now, it wasn't working. He was just freaking out. He's getting louder, red in the face, and everybody around him was getting nervous about all his screaming. There was nothing serene about it, nothing peaceful about it whatsoever. It didn't work. Serenity now, when he's bellowing this out, he's never able to get a grip on it. George's friend Lloyd, who used to be in a mental institution, tells him, serenity now doesn't work. That's what put me in the institution. It's serenity now, insanity later, he says. It's just a little insane to think that we can find peace by yelling serenity now, isn't it? That's about how foolish some of us are in our attempts at finding peace. There's a lot of people in the world who try to find peace of mind by overindulging in alcohol. A lot of people in the world who try to find peace of mind by overeating or overworking or jumping from relationship to relationship or trying to manufacture the perfect Christmas. And it simply doesn't work. We don't live in a peaceful world, and most people don't have inner peace. And if you only have to glance at our headlines to remind yourself that external peace is also a rarity. There's always been fighting nations. But, but listen to this. Jesus came to bring peace to all who follow Him. Micah, in chapter five, 5, it says that He will be their peace. Jesus' birth was announced by angels who said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom God's favor rests. And Jesus, was appro- while He was approaching death, He says this to His disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so Jesus came to give us this inner peace that we need. And not some weird, strange inner peace that other people, in, in, you know, that you hear about in some like new age way of thinking or anything like that. No, we're talking about inner peace, which is ultimately peace with God. Because that's the only thing that rests our hearts. 
And even when we can't experience peace in the world around us, we can experience peace of our inner world. Jesus came into the world to help us deal with all the things that destroy our peace. He is our peace. And He wants to carry our burdens. He wants to lift our anxieties. He wants to take away our sins. And those things that tend to make our lives miserable, these are the very things that He came to take care of. That's what He wants to do. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be my shepherd. And He wants to give you peace. It's humbling to admit that we can't take care of ourselves, isn't it? It is for me. You know, one of my obstacles in coming to faith to begin with was the idea that I had to give up on the idea that I could take care of things. When I was in high school, even after I came to faith, uh, when I was in high school later on, uh, I was known by my friendship group. It was actually, somebody was even tempted to write it in my yearbook. You know, when you go around, you get people to sign your yearbooks. I was known for saying, I'll take care of it. I was such a fixer that one of the biggest hurdles I had in coming to God was the fact that I couldn't fix me. And I suspect I'm not the only one in the room that struggles with that. The reality is, is that what we have with Jesus is this humbling. And it's humbling for us to admit that we can't take care of ourselves, but that's exactly what we got to admit. It's hard to face the fact that our worlds are so fragile and insecure. And it's impossible to create peace. But there's a child who was born in a manger. And now it's not just a day, not just this day that has meaning, but our lives do too. For this child has given us an incredible gift of strength and security and peace. In all the circumstances of this day, know the meaning. Live out the meaning of Christmas. God became man to give you strength, security, and peace. Strength to walk through this world. Security with God in knowing that you are saved and you are in His grip. And He loves you with an everlasting love. And peace knowing that there is nothing that could separate you from that love as we read in Romans 8. So Christmas, yeah, it's about a child. It's about a child born in a manger. It's about this epic story that unfolds as you read about it in the Scriptures. But understand this. More importantly than that, it is the fulfillment of the promise that the eternal God, creator of all things, said, I will come and I will be your peace and I will be your salvation. You know what the really incredible news about this is? He's coming back. You catch that? Our shepherd, our king, our savior, the creator of all things, he's coming back. And it's not going to be a whole bunch of reruns like Terminator. He's coming back one more time. That's it. Take us home. And then we'll have that ultimate peace where he says that no, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more anguish, just joy. Just joy. That is good news, isn't it? So let's understand the meaning then. Yeah, we can have our Christmas gatherings. It's great to get together as family. Yeah, we can give gifts to each other. It's fun to do that and see the expressions on people's faces as they're surprised by what we give them or not surprised when parents are giving gifts to each other. 
because we all know how that goes. And yeah, it's great to sing these carols. It is. It's awesome. We get to celebrate that day. But we got to remember the meaning of that day. Almighty God, Almighty God chose to come, become one of us. So we have our security, we have our strength, we have our peace. The meaning of Christmas, guys, the meaning of Christmas is all about salvation. It's all about redemption. It's all about God turning the world upside down and making things right. What good news we have. What an amazing time of year that we get to celebrate. What an amazing time of year that the world, most of the world celebrates and don't even realize it. Why don't we go and help them realize it? We focus on the manger, but let's point them to the eternal king. Let's pray, and I'll invite the worship team to come up and lead us in the final song. Lord God, I thank you so much for this evening, and I thank you that you are the eternal God who chose to dwell with us, to become one of us, to live this life. Lord, we read in Luke 2.52, you tell us that you grew in wisdom and stature and favor with the Father and with men. That you grew in every single way that we grow. I thank you that you can fully understand our human experience. I thank you that when we read Hebrews 2, that we get a perspective from heaven of what it was like for you. That you took on this form of this frailty of humanity. And I thank you, Jesus, that as we turn to you and as we worship you and as we look at this manger and we marvel at this precious gift, Lord, I thank you that it draws us to a place of worship. But Jesus, I pray, like Simeon and Anna, that not only will we be brought to a place of worship, but that we will also be brought to a place of proclamation. That we will worship you and we will speak of you to everyone who needs you. And Lord, we understand that that's the entire world. So I thank you, Jesus, that we have the privilege of worshiping you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us an incredible purpose and direction in life. Amen.